what is up? You have found I Like the Blazers. I am your host, Brandon Goldner. Today we have, again, Ryan Whitledge of the Blazer Tag Podcast. We will be simulcasting this podcast both on this feed and the Blazer Tag Podcast feed. So check out the Blazer Tag Podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, or whatever podcast catcher you're using. Uh, and without anything more, let's get into our conversation with Ryan Whitledge. All right. Goldner, welcome. I'm very excited to uh, actually talk to another human being uh, on my podcast. Uh, I guess, though, this isn't the first time we've talked since uh, the lockdown has has been in effect. This is it's been what, about like two, three weeks since uh, since we last chatted? Yes, it's been about three weeks. And you're right. I am a human. It is good to see you too. too. Oh my God, you're glitching out. You're glitching out. Uh, Reset the feed. Reset the feed. It's just, it's too much social distancing at this point. And every conversation I've had with anyone other than my girlfriend has been by video conference or by phone. And yeah, I got to admit, it's getting a little old, but yeah, uh, yeah, I think it was a, it was a couple weeks ago, three weeks. So question on that with, uh, with quarantine life as it is and, and all that fun stuff, are you still fully abiding by all the social distancing standards and, and everything like not, not going and visiting like a select group of friends or keeping it under like parties of five or anything like that? You're, you're in full lockdown when you can. Yeah, I am. Actually, my parents were going to go visit my brother and his family. And I was kind of like, you guys probably shouldn't do that. Um, The one thing I do want to do that I technically could have been doing this whole time is I want to play some disc golf. And I my favorite course is Blue Lake Regional Park out in Fairview, owned and operated by Metro. Shout out to my employer. And it's been open and they have limited hours and all that stuff. But I've just been a little wary. I'm trying my best to like... I am fortunate that I can mostly stay at home. And so other than honestly going to the store, getting gas, and then like going on runs and stuff outside, I've been doing my best to not be around other people, which honestly for me is not really that hard because I'm not the most social person. But how's it been for you and your family? I mean, I'm just, with a family, it's different like right off the bat. So, yeah, and that's kind of the, the weird spot for, for us in our household because uh, my my current wife is not the mother of the children, and their mom, uh, she actually does work at a hospital, and so she's been at work a lot, and so I, we've done a lot of, like, trading off of, of the kids and whatnot. I've taken on a lot more fatherly responsibilities, something I'm actually rather grateful for. I've gotten to spend so much time with those little little clones of me which uh the public can take that as a blessing or a curse if they want but <laughs> but uh yeah other than that it, it's been grocery stores and and pretty much that's it up until i want to say about the two weeks ago or so i've kind of extended out my uh my social circle a little bit i will say I, i've i've been a bit naughty i've been over to a uh kennedy's house a couple times here for just hanging out with him and his wife and then just this past weekend we went over for a a fire pit barbecue to uh another pair of friends house but it's i mean we've we've kept it under five so and like the people we're going and visiting are also people that are out in the world like kennedy and his wife they well his wife's a teacher so she's been doing everything from home but he works for the va or the cia however you want to take it and uh he's been out in the world my wife still had to go into her office and then the people that we saw this weekend uh they both still have to uh go into their office at work. So kind of of, of the mentality that uh, at least as, as long as I'm not spreading it to anybody who's not already at risk, I, I think I'm good. I don't know. Can you be a social police officer for me on that? I'm not well, entirely sure how the woke feel about doing such things. Well, I'm 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 very I feel blessed that you would call me woke. Uh, I think that you're doing your best. I think you and your family are doing their best. You've limited your contact with people. And that's really the point was to limit the amount of interactions we have with other folks. You've been doing that. So I think that you should get some credit. And the thing that's hard, though, is that there are so many unknowns. Neither one of us are doctors or epidemiologists or immunologists. And even the people who are, this is a once in a hundred years thing. There's a lot that we don't know about it. There's just an article in the Oregonian about how this virus, we don't know how much immunity immunity it imparts it seems like it is not full chicken pox immunity you get it once you never get it again 
it seems like that's not the case with this. You may get some amount of immunity for some amount of time. Um, and then the other thing is like the at-risk population, that's tough too because that includes people who are obese, which that's 40% of the adult population right there. It includes people with high blood pressure, with diabetes. So all of this is just to say, I think that you've done a good job. You have a family. It's tough. I mean, we all want to get back to normal. And I just, I mean, the thing for me is, Things are just not going to be the same for a while, right? I mean, even as stuff is opening up, I mean, how comfortable are you right now if I said, hey, man, like, do you want to go to a Blazer game with 20,000 other people? Would you just would you be okay going like, all right, yeah, let's go. I'm kind of mixed on this because uh, in all honesty, the wife and I, we got an invite to uh, join a, a couple friend of ours in Vegas at the tail end of June. And up until we got that invite and we started looking at those prices and whatnot, I was very firm in my like, you know what, if the local bar down the street opens up, like I may stop in to just grab a beer just for the ability for to have a beer out in public. But if I walk in and it's packed and shoulder to shoulder, would I feel comfortable? No. And then about three days later, we got that invite and I was like, you know, Vegas probably isn't that bad. So... <laughs> I, I, it's, it's such a weird mixed bag and I've found myself swinging into every part of the pendulum on everything that anybody is talking about on it. Uh, outside of the fact that, you know, this is a government conspiracy to, uh, wrestle control away from the people. That's the one thing that I say, uh, you're, you're damn crazy. And if I alienate anybody by saying that on my pod, um, I'm sorry. <laughs> well, you know, the, the funny thing with stuff like that, and I can say this as a government, you know, employee, oftentimes, Almost all the time, and you've probably heard this too, it, it, when things go wrong and people are wrong about stuff, it's usually either you know a good faith error or good old-fashioned incompetence, people not knowing what they're doing. It's very rare that you get like a full-blown like back-of-the-napkin conspiracy played out. I mean really because people are people, and it's kind of hard to keep secrets. It's kind of hard to coordinate stuff like between people and not have it leak out. It's it's harder than you would think to pull off a conspiracy. And in all of my time working in government, there have been actually a couple of times of people I've seen in the media or people talking about something I had firsthand knowledge of. And they were like, well, I think this is what happened. And I'm sitting there going, you have no fucking idea. Like it, I mean, and so um, I'm with you, not down with the conspiracy theories. But, yeah, it's all new. It's all weird. No one knows what they're doing. It's strange. So, uh, so what have you been doing? Uh, you mentioned that, uh, you, you went for a rant earlier. So, uh, lo lots of, uh, lots of running for working out to, uh, to keep yourself in shape or keep yourself sane Not, or a lot of Netflix binging possibly. Both of those. Yeah. We've been burning through survivors like nobody's business. Actually, shout out to the No Dunks podcast. They're doing now a weekly roundup of survivor. And it was because of that, that we started watching. I'd never seen the show before. So a lot of survivor, Yes, outdoor exercise. Uh, we also got an indoor bike that we've been using, um, and that's been really good and like motivating and like having someone yell at you or like encourage you has been really cool. But I did want to mention, and I'm glad that you brought up exercise. So I am, I am 35, and I have never dunked a basketball, and I'm reasonably fit, and I'm six two. And I think that biomechanics in shoes or out of shoes, <laughs> out of shoes. I'm an out okay. of shoe six, two, like, okay. and, I mean, it's it, at, at the doctor's office. It's funny because I used to call myself six, one and I went to the doctor's no shoes and they said six, two, I said six, two, that's what it is. Um, <laughs> so once so, you reach that height, it can never be taken away from you. Exactly. That's how I got to practice my stretching every day. But I am now going to try to dunk. And I, I so here's the problem is that like a lot of the parks, right, are kind of closed or it's kind of taboo to, to be using them. So I got to figure out where there's a hoop. I got to figure out whether or not it's 10 feet. And then it's like, you know, you start with a tennis ball. It's like, hey, can I even grab the rim right now? I think I probably can. Um, and then there are all these crazy exercises you can do. So I, I think I'm going to fall down the rabbit hole of like paying a bunch of money to some scam so I can maybe have the hope of dunking. So that's like my like a you know, jump in, coach. In the next few months. That's like my summer goal. Dunk. <laughs>
<laughs> nice. Yeah, uh, I wish I could say that I've done a lot of exercising. Uh, I've actually, whew, I hopped on a scale like a, a week or so ago, maybe two weeks ago, and uh, I haven't seen that kind of number increase since uh, I went from like 14 to 18 years of age. <laughs> and well, you and put also, up, you're coming off an injury too. You're on the injured list. This is true. I'm still I'm still on the uh, on the pup list. The physically unable to perform. Uh, hopefully that'll be settled as of this uh, in about a week. But but yeah, still even with that, I mean I've never been a big exercise guy outside of my line of work. But I've worked in construction. I've had physical jobs. So yeah, uh, see, seeing those numbers tick up a little bit really uh, really hit home for me. And uh, so I can't wait to get back to work and uh, hopefully burn those pounds off. And th- now the wife is back starting back up on her keto diet. So by by proxy, that means I'm on keto, except I'll drink beer. But <laughs> there you go. I have been and this is embarrassing. Uh, and so hopefully, you know, none of the aggregators are going to make this a headline. But I have been drinking crystal light um, and that's embarrassing. But it's also five calories a pop. So it tastes like fruit punch. It looks like fruit punch. It has five calories. It's what a god said. I know I'm going to get cancer. I get it. Like it's got to be some hey. weird shit in there. Can, can you add vodka to it? I've been adding a little bit of wine, you know, at night see? once you get past work hours. So, yeah, yeah, it becomes yeah. alcoholic. Yeah, see, if you can reasonably mix any sort of base drink with alcohol, I view that makes it socially acceptable. So Exactly, yeah. I it, I need to go to the liquor store. I wouldn't mind a nice, like, it's summertime, although it's going to be cloudy for a bit. But, yeah, lots of stuff to do here at home, including drinking. Yeah, there we go. Uh, I think uh, what liquor sales were up like seventeen percent over the state of Oregon last month, or something like that. Oh, were they? Yeah, I'm yeah. not surprised. I, and there is also that article about like seventy percent of people working from home or drinking during the day, and and then I think I'm not. I'm not gonna lie. There's been a couple times where it's you know ten o'clock. You're you're bored. You're just nah. Beer sounds kind of good. I guess. I mean, nobody's watching. But mm-hmm. yeah, I, I think they actually later came out and they said, actually, the sample size was too small and blah, blah, blah. I mean, I think also, I mean, a lot of people, I mean, this maybe a podcast for a different day, but like all of the, there's just a gold mine of video conferencing snafus and like people taking their, their computers into the bathroom and like not turning the video off. Um, yeah, didn't we get that? Wasn't that a Supreme Court thing last week where we heard a we somebody heard a flush in the background and we weren't sure if it was a judge or an attorney? Oh, that was Ruth Bader Ginsburg for sure. Yeah. Oh, yeah. RGB was flushing. Uh, <laughs> I mean, which is why, I mean, as podcast people, we know you have to always assume the mic is live. You have to always assume the camera is live. Like just, you know, at this point, you know, if you're vi- here's free tip. If you're video conferencing from home. Assume the camera's always on. Assume it's always being recorded. Assume your voice is always being recorded. All the little snide remarks you want to make to your coworkers and you think you're putting it in the private chat of the Zoom conference, it's just assume everyone is going to see that because you're going to fuck up at some point. It's going to happen. So a little bit for that peek behind the curtain on this stuff is uh, for those that don't know, um, I am I'm doing this from my home. Obviously, we can't get into green studio. And so I went out and purchased a new mic. So on that note, this mic has probably the best feature ever. So I showed you that picture. It's got that bright red light in the background. Right. I can just very gently tap the top of it. The light goes dark and that means it's mute. So it is like the most idiot proof. If it is not bright red in front of you, that means it's off. You're, you're clear, That's which cool. uh, I don't know if anybody's heard all the stupid things I've said over the years, but this is going to be a very helpful tool. That's a game changer. No, that's it's huge. I mean, and you just, you know, it's also the same thing with texts and emails. That's why I, I like I understand when stuff is shared and against people's will. That is a violation of their privacy and that is wrong, period. I also feel if you don't want someone to maybe see it someday, don't type it. Don't send it. You don't have to, right? Like I just yeah. that's it's a good philosophy for work and your personal life. Just don't if you don't want someone else to see it, don't say it. Yeah, and especially don't hit save on that drafts folder cuz you never know when you're going to accidentally hit the wrong button and and that drafts is going to find its way out to everybody else. Ooh, one more quick tip. If you're oh. If you're drafting an email, just take everybody's email out of the two and start typing with it blanks. Because I have done that before. I've had like a half-written email sent out, and like luckily, you know, it was nothing, not not wasn't a big deal or anything. But just I'll delete all those email addresses until you're ready to put them back in. That is good. And then Rub maybe like 
Yeah, maybe reread the actual body of the email first. See if uh, see if it's something that then the people actually will want to read. Always good to reread. <laughs> I actually had a uh, yeah. I, I won't get into that, but yeah. All right. So everyone, everyone be careful, okay? Because it's a, it's a wild, woolly world out there, and people are just they're, they want more content. That's the other thing too. So they love to see your fuck ups on some meme site. So just be careful. Yeah, no, and uh, I, I started off the top of this pod, and in my little intro, I was talking about how I think it had been since the tail end of February was the last time that we actually had an episode post. But uh, yeah, I had to yank our last fully recorded one down because, I mean, the two before that, we had some technical glitches. We couldn't get those posted. Finally got the uh, the last one that we fully got together to record posted, and that was very beginning of March. And that was a lot of us making fun of everybody overblowing this whole silly uh, uh, coronavirus thing. And it wasn't going to affect anybody as much as they were making it out to be. And, yeah, uh, we posted that Wednesday morning. And uh, Wednesday night, uh, Rudy Gobert went through his thing, and I could not yank that thing off the Internet fast enough. <laughs> that's probably smart. I mean, that's, yeah. you know, and it's again, like let's, I, I'm not that I have any jurisdiction over this kind of stuff, but I give you all a pass. I give myself a pass for not taking it. Se- Nobody took it seriously enough, fast enough. And, you know, no need to get into all the reasons why that is, but that's the truth. And look, I mean, it only happens something like this once every what hundred years, it's, you know, it, shit happens. Yep. It's, it, it is what it is. And now here we are, day 45 without live sports. Yeah. It's been so long. It's so I, I guess everybody's heard enough uh, COVID uh, talk on all of their other podcasts and whatnot. I, I think this 15 minutes in, we've, we've given them a bit of a bore on updating our lives. So let's attempt to talk some sports. Uh, there's been a little bit of news in the NBA lately. So apparently... <laughs> This previous Friday, we are recording this on a Tuesday evening, uh, the NBA and players held a group conference call, which, God, if I could ever peek behind the curtain and see how they managed to get 400 some odd players all on one call and be able to get any bit of information out to anybody, I would love to. But talking about resuming play and what their plans were, and I, I think what it came down to is that they're still looking at trying to resume play. Adam Silver had said that there would probably be some, quote-unquote, bad choice decisions uh, for teams like uh, the Blazers that are on the bubble um, for the playoff window. But if they were going to resume and pick up any part of this season, they, they're probably looking at venues like Orlando and, uh, and Vegas, which makes sense. I mean, you have, you get, you got like the Disney Epcot areas and Vegas has everything. So, uh, what, what are your kind of thoughts and feelings about that and, and kind of how it relates to the Blazers? It's tough. I mean, the first thing I want to say is I'm with CJ McCollum, who has been saying, let's go safety first on this. I think that that's totally fair. Um, As for the Blazers and their season, it is unfortunate. And I appreciate Adam Silver, what he was doing, and you alluded to it. He's tempering expectations, and he's saying right off the bat that no matter what they do, somebody is going to think that it sucks Somebody is going to get hurt or affected or think it's a bad idea. And I actually think that that's a sign of really strong, good leadership that you can get out in front of something and just be like, look, like we're not going to be able to deliver what everyone wants. And for him to say that right off the bat, I thought that that was smart. And it is for the team like the Blazers. Look, Yusuf Nurkic was going to be back by this point. Zach Collins. Zach Collins, we're pretty sure, was going to be back by this point. Are you telling me that they can't make up the couple games that they need to make up? They they almost certainly could. And so from that perspective as a fan, it is a bummer. But as a human being and as someone who wants to see people and their families stay as healthy as possible, I think that being safe and smart about it is probably the right move. Yeah, and I'm I'm going to give just as you did. I'm going to I'm going to give Silver a lot of credit because you're seeing over all of sports. I mean, the NFL just held their draft and and did their stuff. And I actually think they pulled that kind of off uh, rather brilliantly. WNBA did a virtual draft as well. Now we're starting to hear more and more as college football season is creeping up like what what states are going to be allowed to do what? You're you're looking at like Alabama having to reschedule their first game or something like that because they're going to be playing a California state that won't have have live sports and i feel as though there's just so much pussyfooting around like 
and he, somebody wants to always put a date to something and they want, they want a target, they want a deadline. And so it was detrimental when Kate Brown came out and said, you know, we're not looking at having live sports until, you know, September. And everybody's like, well, what about Oregon and Ohio state? They're supposed to play in odds. And you're looking at things like that. And I'm just like that. These are so ancillary compared to the overall thing. Like, yeah, I love sports. I love football, college football. I would kill to get the NBA back. But at the same time, I'm just like, let's take the approach because the two narratives that are the most popular, it's either resume your life, get live sports back. But in order to do that, then it's all these sports leagues and all these entities are just going to have to suck up all these quote unquote tests that are available on the market. And then you're going to piss off the guy who wants sports and everything be damned for the little guy that's like, hey, I had a fever, but I was told no, I couldn't get a test, that kind of thing. I'm just like, nah, well, just, right. just let it be. Yeah, and I mean, like you said with the testing, like is it good that we've seen, I think today was the first day that the U.S. had over 400,000 tests completed. Is that a good thing? Yes. Does that get us closer to a future in which we could be better at isolating cases as they come up and testing more people more frequently? Yes. But here's the problem with all of this stuff. There are so many unknowns. And one of those unknowns, the accuracy of these tests. So I can say at a hospital near you, there was a patient who was tested and they tested negative, right? They had some of the symptoms, but they also had, you know, pre-existing respiratory whatevers. And then a couple days later, they did another test and it came back positive. And so now you have people who treated that patient, uh, the patient's family, um, people that person has been around now may have been exposed because of a test that they thought told them that they were okay when they weren't okay. Mm -hmm. And then on the other hand, you have tests that come back positive when the person is not, you know, infected with this virus. So that... That's why it's so tough is that there's so much information that we don't know. And then all you throw into this whole, like, you know, are people immune or not? And so as it relates to basketball, like, yeah, like maybe they can get enough tests to test all the players, all the coaches, all the personnel, the assistant trainers and the video people and the audio people. I mean, we're not even talking about fans or the normal arena staff who would be there. We're just talking about critical staff and maybe you could do it. It's just, I mean, I'm with you. Setting a date on it is probably not a good idea. It's just hard, but yeah, you just have to live in the uncertainty for a while. Yeah, because no matter what, it, it's probably you're just going to end up shooting yourself in the foot every time you have to move a goalpost, and it makes you come off as incompetent or that you don't know and and all that stuff. And I'm just going to kind of loop around the little uh, notes that I had sent you, but seeing as that we're here, I mean, if the season because you notes? I I, well, <laughs> I sent them to you, if you read them as a completely different completely different that's thing. why you got to put the red receipts on your texts <laughs> well, i don't have that i have an android i don't i don't oh, have so that. do i android what yeah all right you're gonna have to you're gonna have to show me that no i actually think i removed that years ago and i swore i would never go to that because i had an issue with a with a girlfriend way way before when uh yeah i would get angry that i would send her a text and i knew she'd be on her phone all day and it said red and then i'd never get anything back so <laughs> i just for my own for my own personal mental health i think i swore that i would never figure out how to use that setting ever again that's fair yeah <laughs> but in regards to the blazers i'm kind of actually one of those people i don't know if i'm in the minority or the majority here I think the best thing for him is to just have the season be squashed in all honesty. I mean, like we were up until all this happened, we were sitting here, the Blazers were underperforming. We were hanging our hopes on Yusuf Nurkic and then eventually uh, Zach Collins to come back and carry us. And, you know, maybe we'll overtake the eighth seed. Maybe by a miracle, Dame will continue or get on another hot run like he had in the beginning of January and we move up to a seventh seed. And then maybe we could make some noise. That's a lot of maybes in my mind. And I'd rather be bank more on kind of proven concepts than hope for concepts. And so if this is the down, if, I mean, if this season were to end, if there's no champion, if there's no nothing, if the league comes back and says, we're just doing eight teams for a playoff or whatever, when the Blazers miss out, I think it, this is the ultimate hall pass for the organization and for Neil O'Shea to be like, you know what? We could have if this, this, and this, but it was taken out of our hands. 
I think that's a really good point. And sports are that way, right? Where the players really want to find that chip on their shoulder. And so they can say, nobody believed in us. And if only we had done this, we would have come back strong. And you're right. Maybe that's actually better for morale. And it also gives Yusuf Nurkic and Collins more time to heal. Um, kind of takes the pressure off of people. It lets Dame rest more. Yeah, I think that's actually a, that's a completely fair point. Yeah, I mean, because at this point in time, I mean, if this if the season were to carry on and they miss the playoffs then they have to deal with the questions about how they underperformed and where it all went wrong. And as it stands right now, we get that fun land of, well, maybe, but we didn't get the chance. We didn't get the choice. It keeps that morale up. Like you said, the players don't have to, you know, mope their heads about or whatnot. And the other added benefit, and this is strictly just Blazer fan and me talking, the Lakers were odds on favorite. So this is just a way to keep them from getting a trophy and anything that keeps the Lakers from winning another championship is just fine in my book. Well, that's, I mean, the other piece of this too, if let's say the one seed would have been the Lakers or, you know, the Clippers, I mean, even with Yusuf Nurkic and Zach Collins, do you think the Blazers are getting past either of those teams? Because I don't. Ooh, uh, I would actually give them a shot against the Lakers, not so much against the Clippers. Interesting. Yeah, I, I, I don't, I mean, not, you know, maybe after they have time to play together more, maybe if Zach Collins shows some improvement, maybe if Anthony Simons gets better, if Nurkic is the exact same player that he was before, you know, but then that's a lot of maybes, but I, I'm not so sure. So that little bit of skepticism that you were like having to the, uh, for the tail end of the season. And so you don't think that like, uh, a healthy Nurk or anything like that or, or Collins. Do you think it's like a little bit too much pressure to put on them almost? Is that kind of the point you were trying to make? I think the pressure is part of it. And, but part of it is honestly just a talent gap between the Blazers and a team like the Lakers or the Clippers. I like you have two players again in Collins and Nurkic. Uh, Nurkic extremely important to the team right now. Collins relatively important to the team now. More important moving forward. Uh, coming off of injuries, coming off a long layoff. Uh, I have skepticism, even if they were perfectly in rhythm, that the Blazers could compete with a team like the Lakers or the Clippers. And remember, they're not going to have Rodney Hood. I mean, it was encouraging to see some videos of him uh, doing some jumping drills and some lateral movement, uh, mm -hmm. what, five months post-Achilles. Super encouraging to see. But the Blazers, I don't think, had the horses to hang with either of those two Los Angeles teams, even in the best of circumstances. And then you add in that Collins and Nurkic are coming off in injuries, and that's really where my skepticism is is leaking in. Yeah, I, I mean, I guess that kind of makes sense. And I, I would also want to know, are Collins and, and Nurk, are they any of those, I find it very strange, weird NBA players that don't actually own a basketball hoop? Wait, <laughs> because what I, now? Did you not hear any of that stuff? So there, no. there was like Giannis Antetokounmpo does not own a basketball hoop. He has not been able to shoot or do anything as long as their practice facility has been closed down because he does not own a hoop. And so that news came out. And then, you know, I think it was Alex Kennedy did did like a little hit piece where he kind of made his rounds on hoops hype. Uh, talking to a bunch of players, and apparently it's not common for players to have basketball courts or basketball hoops. Not everybody's Mike Conley with a full-size gym in their backyard or something like that. So Not everybody's Myers Leonard. Or Myers Leonard, yeah. Not everybody's the hammer. Oh, God, I love his—I his, his, hope his hair is still multicolored right now. Was he doing, like, the Miami Vice colorway dye in his hair? Is that what that he was? Yep. Yep. The half pink, half blue. That's cool. But yeah. By the way, those are some of the best color combinations that I've ever seen. Like in the history of, of NBA jerseys, my favorite's probably the rainbow nuggets. I love that one, but yeah, that Miami vice, I don't know what you think of that. And I know it's a little bit off topic, but I absolutely love the black and the pink. I think it works really, really well together in the teal. This looks I super sharp. I love it, and I'm kind of sad that for uh, nobody's walk-up, and this strikes me as right up Myers Leonard's alley, um, that nobody has done the uh, the full Miami Vice, the white pants, and then the suit jacket, but wearing the jersey underneath, and that's how they're doing their league fits walk into the arena with the with the shades and some slick back hair. I could see Pat Riley doing it. Come on, he's well, he's that's a, probably he's Pat Riley's. He should be doing that. 
don't give me some, Pat Riley is I he annoys the ever living crap out of me. I don't know if you saw him for the little snippets where they were talking to him on the uh, on the last dance, but he made sure to sit there and fully display his championship rings. I who could blame him? Who could blame him? I don't blame him. Bill Jackson him. wasn't even doing that, but I think Phil doesn't have enough fingers to fully do that. But anyways, <laughs> Bill Jackson's done some other questionable stuff. Uh yeah, remember when the like the day after he got cut from the Knicks from his front office job and he like posts a picture of his feet up on like a lakeside house or something he he mm-hmm. got paid, he doesn't have to work. I don't know. I, mean, I, don't, I don't understand why he ever went back and took that Knicks job in the first place. So that's that's my own opinion on that. But I mean, when you have a lot of money, you can never have too much more money, question mark. All right, Jeff Bezos. I feel like that was I mean, what else? It's like he had nothing left to prove. His physical health obviously wasn't good enough to allow him to travel and be mobile enough to do everything he needed to do to do even that job, let alone, you know, if people were asking him to coach. And that's the other thing, too. People are like. They want they want Phil Jackson to come back and coach a team like the Knicks to come back and coach a team like the Rockets. I mean, that is some of the stuff I've heard in like Jeff Van Gundy and like Mark Jackson, these names being floated. But all of those Phil Jackson's not coming back to coach like this is not 1999. Like, I'm sorry. Like he's he's done. Yeah, I'm I'm a fan of Van Gundy coming back. I don't Mark Jackson. He. By all accounts, he was a horrible human being. Well, horrible human being, and I'm going to call him a horrible coach because uh, he had damn near the same team that Steve Kerr was given the keys to, and look what freaking Kerr did to it. So there you go. Yeah, I mean, mean, to be fair, I think that the Warriors finally made the second round with Mark Jackson. You know, they were like a 50-win team. They weren't terrible, but you're right. It was basically the exact same roster the following year that, oh, wow, it's like a 65-win team. Who knew? Yeah, um, exactly. Maybe they could, maybe the Knicks could hire Stotts. Oh, too soon. Is are Stotts still oh, in the hot on. seat? Is has, so is this is this pandemic killed the uh the fire Stotts movement cuz I haven't seen a lot of it. I don't know if you've seen a lot of it. I don't see I don't I don't understand that. Like what so it sounds like you're one of those people. In fact, I know you are from previous shows that we've done. Like what what are one or two things that you think Stotts doesn't do well that you think a different coach could do better? I don't – it's hard to explain, but – Because it's bullshit, man. Well, like bullshit. this year, this year, it's like why are you playing Mario Hazonia any minutes? And you get angry at that, and so like that's – my only criticism of him this year is if the option is Mario Hazonia going out there and doing what he's – whatever that is that he's doing or getting this year a little more meaningful run – Give Nasir Little a little more meaningful run. I, so I guess I would say his his hatred of rookies that he's known for would probably be my biggest complaint of him. I think that that's fair. But, and, but you know, Mario Hazonia, the theory of him is great. It's I mean, and if the Blazers, if they fast, if they if they did more fast breaking, if they if they had more transition offense, I think Hazonia would be a lot better. You saw in the games he's done well. It's when they've been moving a little bit more. Uh, and to have a big guy who can shoot, who can handle the ball a little, the theory of him is great. And like, I don't like, I feel like Hazonia is one of those players and not to like spend five minutes talking about Mario Hazonia, but he's one of those players that I think every team that gets him thinks that maybe they can squeeze more out of him than he's shown in previous stops. I think it's just one of those things. That could be. But I mean, okay. So to get to try to get the train back in the station. So with the continuation of the season, (laughs) I think like probably the thing, like I said, I'm perfectly fine if they just want to scrap it because there's at this point in time, there's no momentum there and there's no meaning. Everything's going to have that asterisk that I was talking about. Um, if they want to do something, then I guess fine. Go ahead and just start the playoffs and tell everybody else that, oh, sorry about your luck. I mean, I could see teams kind of getting a little pissed off or upset about that because it's like, hey, so like t- or uh, Grizzlies have, you know, it- 14 games left, but the Blazers have like 16 games left. So it's not necessarily on equal footing, but just start the playoffs. And also, if you start them now, I'm perfectly fine with having the season next year's season getting pushed back. Give me my Christmas NBA start date. Yeah, I I think that they should be protecting next season as much as possible. Um, 
I think that's that's imperative. I think that at, at, from what we know of this virus and what's happening um, and even how quickly things are changing, it does seem like next season could maybe be played in its entirety with a modified schedule. Uh, we do know that there was some mixed reporting about whether the NBPA, the Players Association, uh, some conflicting reporting about whether they actually asked the players a simple yes or no question about whether they wanted to restart the season. Cause of course if you don't have the sport of the players. You're kind of yeah. screwed. Uh, it turned out that, that maybe they weren't asked officially asked, but they were informally asked. Uh, and then a little later you had like a triumvirate. Well, that's not quite the right word. Uh, a group of players that included uh, Durant and Westbrook uh, and Chris Paul and, and a couple others who Damon LeBron, Damon LeBron, I think and Steph Curry. And they all said we would like to continue playing. So you have that. Um, and then I think, you know, the, the latest is that there's some cautious optimism that the season will restart in some way, shape or form. But it, so you're saying go directly to the playoffs. Are you at all a fan of the, the, the concept of having like a, like a play in tournament or something to kind of split the difference between finishing the regular season and, and just jumping to the playoffs? If you want to do a play in tournament, uh, it's, I would say don't do it single elimination. It's got to be like a, a little best of three, and you got to make it between, um, you know, the eighth, eighth, ninth, and tenth seed. But the teams that are obviously the eighth seed are not going to be petitioning too hard for that because they have the ability to lose their spot. But I mean, if you want to do something simple like that, just don't don't drag it out. Don't. I mean, if you're going to make us watch a play-in tournament or something like that, and we do best of seven for these things, hell no. <laughs> yeah, I agree. And also, the thing is the incentives that teams have to get to the playoffs usually is what it's the revenue they generate from fans being there. There aren't going to be any fans there. So I would think that, that more teams would be looking at their lottery odds even more than they'd be looking at them usually. So I, I think that there's probably, I guess what I'm trying to say, there's a stronger incentive for teams maybe to not make the playoffs because they know they can't recoup that money, even if they are in the playoffs. Yeah, and I think I had seen somewhere I I haven't checked the math on it, but like right now, I think as it currently sits, the Blazers, with how they redid the uh, the ping pong balls and the percentages and whatnot, but the Blazers currently sit with the exact same percentage that the Pelicans had last year for the number one pick. So, well, that is that is something. I mean, and hey, uh, Blazers have gotten uh, lottery lucky in the past. I mean, yeah. Yeah, and if we get if we get the number one pick, then uh, whoever's drafted after us will have a fan or after our pick will have a fantastic career and be the next superstar because that's just uh, how things go. Yeah, yeah, I wasn't. I mean, I I remember very distinctly the draft lottery where the Blazers had the choice to to draft Odin or Durant. Um, they had like a live stream. I think it was of. Uh, uh, God, was it of, of Dr. Jack's, the, the bar that's across the way from the Moda center. And they had a live stream of people there. Was that, I, do you know what I'm talking about? This video of like, it got to like, yeah, yeah. I, I, I remember that. And that was before, what was it called before Dr. Jack? I forgot. I it, yeah. It, yeah. But yeah, I was trying they, to think, I was trying to think what it was. I couldn't think of it. But yeah. They, and, and like they, they had, had they there. had Mike Barrett, and Mike Rice there, like on the mic and people were so excited. What a time. I just, I mean, I mean, not to go too far down this rabbit hole, but as far as like having fantasies about the Blazers winning another championship, that was probably the moment that I felt most strongly the Blazers were going to win one at some point because it wasn't too long after that that Greg Oden found out his knee was injured and he had to sit out what would have been his rookie year. Mm -hmm. Um, And that sort of clouded everything. Even when he came back, it was like, you know what I mean? It was like, but that moment, when they knew that they were going to get that like a top pick and it ended up being the number one pick, I was just like, they're definitely winning a championship at some point. Yeah. I had those same thoughts when they, uh, when they drafted, uh, uh, Lillard. So now, now that's all I'm hanging my, hanging my hat on. 
So, so what are the, I mean, this is not on the agenda. What, so you said they have to change the coach. Okay, fine. What else did the Blazers have to do? Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't, don't throw that. That's, I didn't say they need to change the coach. You have said that. You are not a Stotts fan. You're not, you're not one of Stotts thoughts. Let me just say it that way. I'm a, I'm a, I won't say that sentence because it makes me uncomfortable, but I am (laughs) one of them. (laughs) No, you're not. Look, I, okay. So I'm not a Neil O'Shea fan. That one nobody I will is. hang my hat on. Nobody is. Uh, I think Neil is. I think maybe Jason Bateman is the only other one. But, okay, so what would the Blazers have to realistically do in order to compete for a championship during Dame's prime? I mean, that is such a critical question. And, I mean, I just, man, I just don't even see it. And it sucks I, to say that. I think their hand was kind of forced this year with all the injuries that they have that they've had to deal with. I think we've seen them perform best when they've had a lot of internal development. And so we've got to, you know, you know, whether or not Anthony Simons quote unquote uh, played well, I guess is how, how, whatever kind of expectations you had for him coming into the season. Um, I think he was a little bit too hyped for, for that. So he maybe is playing underneath people's expectations of him. Um, Gary Trent jr. Got a very good and extended run. And I think he performed admirably, but so this little bit of internal development from all these guys is something that I think is going to be super important going forward to going into next year. And so then for me, it's, it's just kind of, don't don't blow your wad on like re-signing Hassan Whiteside. I am not on the bring Hassan Whiteside back team. You know, I actually think that I was just debating the other day with uh, Christian from Peeps and Plaid about uh, that t- what one year twenty million dollars or something like that, and then try to dangle him out there as a as a trade chip or something like that to bring Whiteside back. I was like, hell no, hell no, because we saw how well that plan worked out this year. We were going to trade him, and the thought was, oh, that's a lot of dead money. We have the ability to trade and flip, and that didn't happen. Nobody wanted him. If you want to bring him back, give me like a two-year, $10 million with like a, a team option on the back end of that. But I don't think Hassan would take that. Um, but I'm I'm perfectly fine a little bit with how this team is. I like Rodney Hood. Bring back Trevor Ariza. I think that adds uh, a lot of that grit and, and defense and stuff that we've been missing, uh, some floor spacing. Um I'm I'm perfectly fine with the team, and I think that after a year of development from the younger guys that they got this year, that it's it's a pretty decent roster. It's it's I, not bad. I I mean, the, here's the biggest problem for me, and you know, every Blazers podcaster has talked about this at some point. They have a positional logjam. If Anthony Simons develops into the player they think he's going to be, where is he going to play? Where are his minutes going to come from? Like, if he's legitimately like a starter level or better player, whose minutes is he taking? Not CJ's, yeah. not Dame's. That, he can't play but, three. Like I, that, that's the thing. What if, what if you can develop him into like a true Jamal Crawford, uh, you know, six man role, or, or, or you know, uh, Jason Terry. I mean, it, that's where I think it's important to keep him. I, I, I don't necessarily like looking at it as though, well, we have CJ and we have Dame, and so like, you know, if Ant develops, then CJ is expendable. I mean, yes, that's true, but why not try to maximize and have that strong scoring punch off the bench because our bench units have been shit for the last couple of years. I guess I just don't see with those three players, given their size, given their defensive capabilities, where you're going to get, you know, 35, 34 minutes for Dame, 34 minutes for CJ, and, you know, 30 minutes for Simons. I, I mean, even if you say he he plays a six-man role, I don't see where the minutes are coming from. Well, that's the thing. How long have people been complaining about the minutes that Dame and CJ are playing? So, if we if if Simons can perform admirably and and if he's taken away some of those minutes from those guys, like yeah, you want your superstars to play the most minutes, but we don't want to continuously run them into the ground. So maybe if we can get Dame down to you know thirty four minutes a night and or, and CJ down to like a thirty two and and Ant's kind of picking up a little extra minutes there from that and we're performing, then I'm fine with it. So then, okay, so then you have the problem of your closing lineup. You want to play your best players in your closing lineup. You can't play Dame, CJ, and Simons in a closing lineup. Imagine that in a playoff game when the, def- sure the defense is getting yeah. real gritty and you have sure you big wings you need to stop. I don't see it. No, see, if you're going if you're going late game situation, everybody has those offense-defense timeouts, so you, and 
you run the three of them out. You run the three just, of them out there when you're on the offensive end, and just get and a rule change where we could do hockey substitutions, and they'll be fine. I see what you're saying. Okay, yeah, sure, no problem. Yeah, pull pull the goalie. You got it. <laughs> Good lord. Yeah, I don't know, man. Like I, it, to me, like I agree with you. Internal development's important to this team. I don't. I I just. It's it's very it's disheartening for me to think and even more to say out loud. I don't, I don't, I don't see their path to contention. I just don't see it. You are a horrible fan and a horrible blazer podcaster. You're, that's you're, irrelevant. That may be true, fired, but that's totally sir. irrelevant. How dare you? <laughs> I want the glass half full and I'm already planning the, uh, the parade route for next year. I've been in talks with the city, so Fine. We're, we're getting that done. Um, interesting. Speaking of the city, get your ballots in by next week. Remember the primaries. I think it's on Tuesday. Get your ballots in. God, you people are so slow. I mailed my ballot in like three weeks ago. Oh, good for you. Good for you. Yeah. All right. Good job. We uh, we actually just walked ours down to the mailbox. Today is the last day you can mail them. Uh, Oregon, actually, good job, Oregon. Just uh, they have prepaid postage on the ballots now. So we have vote by mail. A, yeah. And that, it's that's new for Oregon. It is the prepaid part is. Yeah. You just have to put a stamp on it. Oh God, they got you coming and going. God, Washington's been prepaid for years. I don't well, think I've ever. I don't think I've ever had to put a, a a stamp on a anything official that I've gotten from the government. That's yeah, and it makes a ton of sense, right? I mean, it's just that's that's the way it needs to be done. So yeah, we got it. We got that in under the nick of time, or else we'd have to drop it off the little box. But please vote. Voting's important. <laughs> yeah, it's kind of a uh, well. You could divide the fence on that, I guess, depending on how you want to go with that statement. But the interesting bit of news that came out right after uh, we were recording the first part of this is that apparently uh, Spalding is out. Wilson is in in the NBA starting in the 2021 or the 21, 22 season. So uh, they say it was a mutual decision. So. That to me just strikes as like, okay, so the NBA wanted too much money and Spalding said no or or vice versa or something. But I also I didn't realize that Wilson was the first uh basketball that the league had used. Actually the the first ball the league ever used uh was Bessie. It was the hide of a dairy cow. Um and you know, Bessie was the, no. Yeah, I mean it's the cow from the parking lot of the arena. Exactly. I I'll be completely honest with you. I couldn't care any less than I do. I care the minimal amount. I can't care any less. So I'm using that phrase correctly. I could not care less, couldn't care less. What I could care about is if they try to pull that bullshit where they go back to the synthetic ball that was like cutting up people's hands and stuff. Leather works really well for a reason. It's absorbent. Uh, it bounces well. People like the way it feels. It's tactile. But I mean, do you care whether the ball says Spalding or Wilson on it? Like, I just cannot be bothered to care. Right now, all I care about is does that make my autographed player Spalding basketballs more valuable because now they're no longer being used? Potentially. That is that is uh, maybe what's happening. Um, but but I guess I guess. I agree with you. Don't go to that synthetic because didn't they do a bunch of players got splinters or whatnot last yeah. time they tried to change it up. And they, so, and, and like why mess with the grooves on the ball? Like if, if it, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. There's no reason to mess with what the ball looks like and how it feels. It's fine. Like I've never once in my entire history of being an NBA fan, I've played basketball for a long time too. When people are using a leather ball, I've never, ever heard anyone complain about it if it's in good shape. The only time I've ever heard anyone complain is if it's, like, old. And that does not happen in the NBA. They use brand-new basketballs all the time, so there's no reason to mess with it. There's nothing you can do to improve it. It's fine. Yeah, fun little caveat is that – so I'm curious if it'll – when they make this change, if we'll see any sort of difference between how rookies coming into the league shoot because uh, the NCAA uses Wilson. I just, I just can't, I, it'd be, it's really difficult for me to think about what could possibly be different about it. Um, Players are notoriously creatures of habit. I guarantee you that like, if you were to hand Michael Jordan two different basketballs, one Spalding, one Wilson, and he couldn't tell, he'd be able to like pick the difference. He'd be like, nope, these, the, the divots dimples in this are, are spread way too far. And I, that just strikes me as most of the guys in the NBA are probably that anal. You're, about that kind of stuff. I mean, you're probably right. And it's, I mean, again, to me, it's, are the channels, you know, are they placed in the same place? Are they the same depth? Is the leather treated in the same way? Is it, you know, inflated the same way? Is the tactility the same? 
other than that, like, I, I just, I mean, yes, you're right. Okay, creatures of habit, superstitious, blah, 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 blah. Maybe they could tell the difference, but, like, it really shouldn't matter. My only thing is, again, like, I hope they don't try to do some crazy thing. Check out the new hexagonal pattern on the basketball. It makes it 0.01% more likely to fall to the basket when you shoot. I don't want to see any of that. Just throw the ball out, make it look like a basketball, and call it a day. That's all I want. Okay, you're man of simple people. And as much right. as I said I didn't care, I'm now completely and fully upset. Yeah, I have never seen somebody uh, care more about not caring than than I'm I seeing you right now. I am terrible at not caring. I care way too much about way too many things. That's the problem. <laughs> and I'm not gonna lie, watching you rant and rave with uh, with your hair straight up in the air, you got you make an excellent crazy man. It's something I've been practicing for my entire life. I cannot wait for my slow descent into being senile. It's gonna be quite the ride. <laughs> That's nice. So one last thing before we go: Have you been watching any of the Last Dance? Yeah, I am only through episode four, though, so no oh, spoilers. You can spoil it, whatever. Like, I've heard people talk so about you, it. What are they, are so they to episode eight? Yeah, episode eight this Sunday is going to be the last two. So let me see. Episode four, You so that was you just finished the – episode three was the Rodman episode, and episode four was the Phil episode, correct? Yes. Where it showed him, like, off uh, coaching in Peru. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Okay. I, no, no. Getting I, upset I, and getting suspended from coaching home games or some crazy thing like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, now I don't want to. Now I don't want to ruin it for you because it's 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 fine. So many... I've been listening to I you know I have basketball podcasts on rotation and they all can't help themselves. They're all talking about it. So it's fine. Well, it's literally. I mean, I think I went to ESPN and half the things that I scroll through are all just talking about Michael Jordan or old players compared to new players. I'm I'm just fascinated by it. I. I love the fact that, you know, he's at least being raw and honest and open. And there's a little bit of bias in it. And in, in obviously, like, you don't say. I think, well, I mean, he had to give the green light in order for them to make it. His production company was, you know, was co-produced it. Um, so obviously, he's not going to green light something that makes him out to be a complete an utter asshole, but I think they're doing a decent job of showing just how much of an asshole he actually was and the emotion that he carried behind the games. Uh, one thing I was disappointed, I think that I wish they would have spent just a little more time into or in his baseball career. And then the kid in me wanted to see a little more, behind, was hoping to get more behind the scenes of Space Jam, but that didn't happen. So. I'm not surprised they didn't focus too much on the baseball career. Uh, <laughs> I mean, as soon as people figured out, hey, this guy, he can hit fastballs, but he can't hit anything else um, like that. And that makes sense, right? I mean, the dude's what, six six, like a legit six six. like mm -hmm. even just the mental image of him in the batter's box. Uh, yeah, it's it's an awkward fit. And I, I mean, I don't blame them for not focusing on that too much. Um yeah, I'm actually interested, and I can't wait to see it. Did they get into the spat between him and Steve Kerr at the practice? That was this last episode. They went in. They went into that. They didn't spend as much. I think it, it probably was about like ten minutes of the episode, just just kind of talking about that stuff. And they talked to Kerr about it more than they talked to Michael. I think Michael maybe said like a sentence or two about it, but they they had a good five minute little chat going with uh with Steve Kerr and how he felt about it. Steve Kerr had probably one of the best lines that I've heard yet. Well, at least top five. Uh, coming out of this, um, he was he was like, you know, I have that same competitive drive as Michael. I'm just not as good as him, so I have to just do what he says and shut up. <laughs> Steve Kerr is one of my favorites. He's I the thing I love about him is he is so self-aware in a very organic and like, you know, it's not like an act he's putting on to try to seem like he's humble or something. It's just the way he thinks. And I really appreciate that about him. Here's the thing that like my understanding of that situation, and here's like I, I did have a, a an opinion about it, was that they were in practice, right? And like Steve mm -hmm. Kerr was playing pretty physical and like kind of shoved Michael Jordan in the chest and that mm -hmm. pissed off MJ. And so MJ like punches him. The, th the thing that's funny about that is like, I could see Michael Jordan getting on someone and being pissed at someone for not being competitive enough and not playing tough enough. And then here comes Steve Kerr being competitive and playing tough. And now Michael Jordan's pissed at him too. Like, that's the thing I think is funny. It's like, you can't really have it both ways. Like I'm so demanding. I want everyone to play tough. It's like, well, here's this guy playing tough and it pisses you off. Like I just, I don't know. 
Yeah, uh, I think part of it, I can't remember exactly how soon after his father had passed away that that incident happened. So that was still something where his emotions were a little a little off. And also, if I remember correctly, he was he came into that practice pissed off about something. So Steve okay. Kerr, Steve Kerr just happened to be the straw that broke the camel's back and then the face that ended up being in the way of uh, of him. But in all honesty, out of these last ones, probably the for for all of that, Michael doesn't come off as being bad. The guy who's kind of starting to take a little bit of a heel turn and look like a complete asshole is Pippen. Yeah, they just they just went in, got into the when he uh, refused to go back into the game, and they've been th- showing him throw chairs and whatnot, and he's saying, "I don't regret it. I wouldn't change a damn thing." And I just can't help but think in the back of my head that so if Michael was on the bench, you think that you would have still had that same kind of attitude? Right. I mean, and that that whole that was the series against the Knicks and they were down, what, O two, 2 and it was like the end of the game. And they what Phil Jackson drew up a play for Pippen to inbound the ball for Kukoc to take the last shot. And Pippen yep. is pissed about it. And look, I mean, he finished third in MVP voting like it was Michael Jordan wasn't there. He's playing baseball. So, like, I get that there's some part of Pippen. that's like, show me some respect. I've been here. What is this rookie coming from Europe taking the last shot? But like, I mean, there's so much like leave aside the fact that, you know, probably would have confused the other team. And that's probably what Phil Jackson is thinking is like, look, they're not going to be expecting Kukoc to be taking the shots. Probably pretty good strategy because of that Kukoc had made some shots during the season. Just really like imagine if that had happened in 2020 with Twitter NBA culture, man, ah. people would have ah. fucking roasted Pippen for doing that, roasted him. They no 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 uh, he would have gotten roasted but there would have just been as many people on the opposite side that were screaming back and telling all the people that were roasting Pippen that they're idiots because why wouldn't Phil Jackson give the ball to his best player that's what they're out there to do that's the coach just needs to put the ball in his hands so you we see that all the time and it's either okay well I understand we used him as a decoy or and or we wanted to use him as decoy players a little pissed off maybe you should you know oh I'm sorry who, whatever who let's go back to recent history who made the game clinching shot in the Blazers triple overtime victory over the Denver Nuggets in their la- in their playoff series that got them to the Western Conference Finals was it Dame nope was it CJ nope it was Rodney Hood and you know what like okay fine part of that was because they had played 3,000 minutes and they were tired but part of that is a, you know what a good leader does a good leader knows when to acquiesce a good leader knows when to support other people and a good leader should know that yeah the other team is not going to be expecting this dude to take the last minute shot so it's probably pretty smart that they drew it up that way so I mean I don't know like I think it would be pretty indefensible to be like yeah it's cool that Pippen's pouting on the bench in a game that's like probably going to decide this playoff series I don't know I agree. By the way, don't sell it short. It was quadruple overtime, not triple overtime. Oh, I'm sorry. My we, bad. We had an into four full. We had a whole extra game tacked onto the end of that. Yeah, that's the only reason Rodney Hood came back in. He had time to take a nap and a shower and eat a meal between the last time that he checked out of the game. But yeah, or even if you want to, <laughs> or even if you want to go back to the uh, to Blazers Rockets. I mean, uh, how many times did we hear that they drew that inbounds play uh, for Batum to hit uh, Lamarcus Aldridge? Right. Down in a low block, and it just so happened that we didn't hear about Lamarcus pouting. Well, <laughs> that would that would have been something. First time out of the playoff or out of the first round in how many years, and he complains. He's I should have taken that shot. <laughs> well, I mean, the funny thing is, like, I have no doubt that it's stuff like that that probably made Lamarcus feel like he wasn't quite the leader that he wanted other people to see him as, and probably contributed to his bouncing. But yeah, you're right. Like, he didn't show it in the moment, and like Pippen could have been as upset about that judgment call as, you know, as could be, that's fine, but you don't do it in that moment. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm excited to see these next couple episodes. I'm kind of glad I have some banked up. Yeah. And, and I would say the only thing too, is that if, um, because Kukoc hit that shot, obviously that makes Pippen look way worse because if Kukoc missed it, Everything that Pippen said is all now validated and 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 Jackson made the wrong. I, you, I mean, but that's how the narrative would go. It w- yeah, the narrative would be much different. I would hope that I would still be sitting here and be like, you cannot quit at the end. You can't you just can't like your coach tells you to do something. You do it. That's the way basketball works. It's the way it's always worked. Although, I mean, there is also there's something to be said if this had happened in 2020. 
players do have comparatively much more power than coaches do. I guess it depends on the coach, actually. I guess like people like Rick Carlisle, Greg, Greg Popovich could probably get away with something like that. But you think like Ty Lu, you think that like, you know what I mean? Like, like LeBron James famously vetoed uh, a David Blatt play um, that, you know, it was going to go to someone else in LeBron James. Like, oh, I'm going to call an audible. He made sure to tell people about it after yeah. the game. So it's just, I mean, but the way I was raised, you know, listen to the coach. And I mean, you complain about it later, but yeah, just in that moment, don't do that. Come on. Yeah. Gotta be better. But yeah, I'm, I'm going to be really sad when, when this is watching that this Sunday and knowing that that's my, my last dance with the last dance. I guess. Very clever. Bravo. Yeah, I would clap if I weren't holding my microphone. Yeah. Well, that's about all the clever I got left in me. So I guess, I guess we can wrap it up, but uh Goldner, uh, uh, tell, tell the people where they find you and all that fun stuff. They can find me, my home address. No, uh, you can find me on Twitter at GoldnerPDX. And if you want to check out my podcast, it'd be dope. It's I Like the Blazers. Uh, you can go to ilikettheblazers.com or at I Like the Blazers. And that's pretty much where I'm at. All righty. Well, Goldner, thanks again uh, for participating in the world's longest podcast. And we'll uh, have to chat again soon. Can't wait to do one that spans like we should like record half of it and come back like a year later. That'd be great. Do a little time I'm capsule. Not- not gonna lie i've always kind of wanted to try doing one of those little like uh i know on 1080 the fan isaac and Souk they do their radiothon every year for special olympics oregon 24 hours straight wonder what it would be like to like live stream a podcast for 24 hours straight you would really subject people to you talking for 24 hours straight well i'd invite you so i mean that's even worse that doesn't make it better (laughs) (laughs) i figure uh between your girlfriend and my wife we would have one listener at least so (laughs) It would be your wife, cause. Uh, <laughs> oh, you don't get the listens either. Okay. No. Just, then never mind. Between the two of them, we'd have no no listeners. But we would both listen. So that's, there's two right there. <laughs> yeah, that is that is true. That is the truth of it. After everything's all said and done and uploaded, I always end up listening to my own thing the next day. Gotsta. I think that's the narcissist in me. I don't know. Hey, I well, you can't say you have to because I mean, uh, the hair Kennedy, he's never listened to a single episode of our podcast. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah I find that strange. Uh, different strokes. I like to listen to it because I like to. Yeah, I'm cripplingly insecure, so I like to hear all the ways in which I messed up, and I promise myself we'll be better next time. <laughs> that's what I'm doing. Yeah. All right. Well, let's uh, let's wrap this up, and I, I will chat at you later. All right, man. Thank you. All right. Thank you, as always, to Ryan Whitledge for joining, or did I join him, or he joined my podcast, or I joined his. I don't really know what happened, but I appreciate him dropping by. Uh, if you want to reach out to us, you always can at I Like the Blazers on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. You can also catch us at ilikeTheBlazers.com or ilikeTheBlazers at gmail.com. And don't forget to check out the Blazer Tag Podcast. Just search Blazer Tag Podcast on whatever social media application you are using at the time, except they are not on TikTok, which is a huge problem. But in Until next time, I appreciate all of you. Thanks for listening. Uh, This is Brandon and Go Blazers.